Hey, what's going on, my qualifiers? Welcome to another episode of Unqualified News with your host, M. Mauricio, that's me. And this is episode number 440. <sighs> Let me start with a quick PSA, people, my qualifiers, listeners, everybody. I think we also have a responsibility to not be, I don't know the word, better word than a dumb fuck when you're getting stopped by the police, Okay. They don't want to stop you. You think they want to go and stop a fully tinted window car, not knowing what's on the other side? You think they want to go around doing that? No, they don't. That's their job. They're there to protect and serve us. They can't protect and serve us if they're not stopping cars. So this is a PSA announcement on how to act when you're getting stopped by the police. Because it seems like we just don't get it. We just don't know how to act sometimes. And we're so quick to blame the police on the reaction, because that's the easiest thing to do. When somebody tells you you're not doing something right, what's the easiest thing to do? Oh, well, you know, I don't have no time. Oh, you know, uh, well, you know, the way I grew up, uh, oh, well, you know, uh, this, that, or the other, man. We have to hold ourselves accountable too. So look, this is a small little PSA. When you're getting stopped by the police officers, it's late, dark, and you're getting stopped. Look, real quick, put your volume down on your car, put your windows down, turn on your lights, and that's it. Okay, that's it. The police officer can see everything inside the car. Everything's going to be copacetic. This is something that I'm going to tell my kid. I'm going to tell my son this. And I'm not going to tell him this to be scared. I'm not going to have him be scared of police officers. I'm going to have him have respect for them. I'm going to teach him that they're people like him and me. I'm not going to tell my son how to act around police officers because I want him to be scared. Okay, I'm going to do it because... I want the officer and my son to be safe. How about instead of having all these Tide commercials, these uh, Gillette, Corn Flakes, whatever it is, why, instead of having all these commercials, why not have one 30-minute commercial? Hi, America. Let me tell you, this is how we should act when getting stopped by a police officer. And we're not doing this for you to have any fear. We're doing this as a PSA. And I'm just getting a little excited about this because in the future... We're going to be interviewing a police officer. We're going to get a chance to, to humanize a police officer for you, my qualifiers. I want you guys to know that there are people just like you. You guys, I know you guys know this, but there's listeners out there that don't, okay? I'm not talking to you, and you know who I'm talking to. But all right, my qualifiers. So on this episode, I bring you guys a story from Victor Valley News Group, vvng.com. Two people were impersonating police officers up in Hesperia. That's in California, high desert area. And I had to bring you guys this story because I have family up there. And uh, they were breaking and entering into houses. Hey, hello, this is the police. Open up. Come on, you know. I have another story here from Alaska News Source. And I had to touch on this article because it had the word Alaska and Sinaloa in it. What the fuck, right? So the Sinaloa cartel is running drugs to Alaska. Fucking crazy. That's there. Newscientist.com. That's a website I just found. Uh, has really solid information, really good articles. And this one's talking about Bitcoin in El Salvador. I'm going to beat this one to death because there's something here. I know it. I know there's some corruption going on. I fucking feel it. And uh, this is a really good article uh, to kind of give you an idea of how Bitcoin really is working, you know, um, just more procedure type of uh, information. 
There's also a story in here from Reuters. And uh, this one is a doozy. So this one is talking about COVID health passes being mandatory come October 15th in Italy. Okay, in Italy. So, you know what? I was talking to somebody at work about this and uh, I mentioned this story and they're like, well, you know, we're doing that here too. You know, it's starting October. I'm like, wait, what? So that's something that I need to look into ASAP. I haven't heard of this and I've been looking at the news. So I haven't heard of this happening in America, but in Italy, this is going to be mandatory come October 16th. And in this episode, I'm introducing a new segment that I'm very excited to introduce. One of my qualifiers I was talking to back and forth, um, Frank, if you're listening, what's up? (laughs) He was telling me, man, you know what? I like to, I like sports. He was like, I like sports, man. Because we were going back and forth, back and forth, heavy, talking shit about Gavin Newsom and this and that. (laughs) And then at the end, he's like, man, I just like to watch sports, man. Fuck that. And I fucking respect him so much for that. So, I'm going to start a new segment, Sports. I don't know the name yet, but you guys, I have a feeling you're going to love it. I think after the first one, I'll have a name for it. All right, my qualifiers. Enjoy. Police arrest two men suspected in home invasion robberies and impersonating law enforcement in Hesperia. This one comes from vvng.com, victorvalleynewsgroup.com. Authorities arrested two men from Hesperia suspected of recent home invasion robberies while possibly impersonating a deputy, officials said. On September 14, 2021, investigators with the Sheriff's High Desert Regional Gang Team served their search warrant at a motel in the 1400 block of Main Street. They identify the occupants of the location as 34-year-old Bobby Bohannon and 19-year-old Caden Cotter. Investigators subsequently contacted Bohannon and Cotter during a vehicle stop. Bohannon was driving a silver Ford F-150 with California license plate 76969C3. According to a news release, According to a news release, a search of O'Hannon and Cotter's motel room resulted in the recovery of multiple police-style vests, various replica law enforcement badges, a 9mm pistol, an AR-15-style rifle, methamphetamine, and marijuana. Upon further inspection, investigators discovered Bohannon's truck was equipped with an audible siren and law enforcement-style forward-facing lights. Bohannon and Carter were arrested and booked at the High Desert Detention Center, for possession of controlled substance while armed, fell in possession of a firearm, large capacity magazine, and possession of marijuana for sale. And there it is, my qualifiers. That's vvng.com, Victor Valley News Group. And this one here hits me a different way, man. I have my family living up in Hesperia. My son, his mother, his, you know, his grandma, grandpa. Um, they're all living in Hesperia. So that's that's why a, a lot of these uh, high desert news come, you know, down my pipeline. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, my son. You know, when these clowns are uh, breaking into places, you know, and uh, and these type of people tend to go after the elderly community. They tend to go after people they, they, they think are targets. Another thing that also kind of strikes me is... Um, you know, if you would take everybody's weapons away, uh, the bad guys always find a way to get weapons. Bad guys don't get in line and put in their background checks to get weapons, okay? Bad guys don't do that. They steal guns. 
So if guns get taken away and these clowns are going in and home invading your family, don't you want your family to have weapons to protect themselves? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are the things that come to my mind. These are the things that come to my head when uh, stories like this come, you know? Just... Sinaloa cartel drug kingpin accused of trafficking narcotics from Mexico to Alaska arrested. This one's from alaskasnewsource.com by Megan Pacer and Jay Lusardo. Federal officials in Alaska announced Wednesday the results of an investigation into a transnational organization that resulted in a lengthy indictment and the arrest of an alleged drug kingpin associated with a drug cartel from Mexico. On Friday, September 10th, Mexican immigration authorities arrested and deported a U.S. citizen named Miguel Guevara back to America. Officials said in a Wednesday press conference in Anchorage, USA authorities arrested him on charges related to his leading role in trafficking narcotics from Mexico to Alaska. Brian Wilson, acting U.S. attorney for the District of Alaska, said Guevara, 38 years old, pleaded not guilty on Tuesday in federal court in Arizona. Guevara had been living in Mexico and is associated with the Sinaloa cartel that operates out of Sonora, Mexico. The charges in the recently unsealed indictment against Guevara include engaging in a continuing criminal enterprise, drug conspiracy, possession with intent to distribute methamphetamine, heroin, cocaine, and three firearm counts. The indictment and arrest are both part of an ongoing large-scale drug trafficking investigation, Wilson said, which resulted in the arrest and indictment of 23 people since 2016. The investigation into Guevara's and the trafficking of drugs into Alaska was tackled by multiple agencies, including the U.S. Attorney's Office, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the U.S. Coast Guard Investigative Service, and the Drug Enforcement Administration. According to the press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office, the drug network Guevara was associated with specifically targeted Alaska because they received higher profits for their illegal drugs due to Alaska's significant distance from the Mexican sources of supply. Tony Jung, the special agent in charge of the FBI office in Anchorage, said one of the FBI's goals is to target and dismantle transnational criminal organizations like the Sinaloa cartel, including their leadership. The arrest of Guevara stands out as an outstanding example of what happens when federal, state, and local law enforcement and our international partners come together to target and dismantle these organizations, he said. Jung said, this investigation and the indictment since 2016 will have a significant impact on the drug network's ability to operate in Alaska. Paul Schultz, special agent in charge of the Coast Guard Investigative Service, said the agency's investigation began in May 2016 with what could be considered a relatively small seizure and arrest involving methamphetamine on Alaska Marine Highway System ferries. In this case, by pulling strings, pulling threads, and through comprehensive investigation, we were led to Miguel Guevara, Schultz said. Assistant U.S. Attorney William Taylor said during Wednesday's press conference that this particular transnational drug organization was recruiting people from Alaska who would go down to Mexico. They would provide them with narcotics, 
which they would then bring back to Alaska, Taylor said. So that's one of the methods that's at least public record how drugs were transported back to Alaska for distribution. According to the press release, the drug network used social media and encrypted messaging applications to recruit people who lived in Alaska. The couriers were promised money or drugs in exchange for traveling to Mexico to collect the narcotics for transport back to Alaska. The release states, Couriers were required to submit photos of their driver's license and other personal information. The couriers often traveled in small groups with an assigned team leader. The release continues, Couriers typically carried about 250 grams of narcotics on each trip. Once the couriers arrived in Alaska, a member of Guevara's network who was stationed in Alaska paid them and collected the narcotics. Street-level dealers in Alaska contacted Guevara who coordinated the sale between his Alaskan workers and the local dealer. According to the release, Guevara himself did not enter the U.S. due to the fact that he had outstanding federal and state warrants for his arrest. He conducted operations from Mexico. Of the 23 people other than Guevara who had been charged in the investigation, six of them were charged and pled guilty in the District of Arizona. Guevara is charged only in the District of Alaska, officials confirmed Wednesday. And that's from alaskasnewsource.com, my qualifiers. That is a news outlet from Alaska, baby. And uh, dude, this one came up obviously because I talk a lot about the cartels, I guess. I don't know, but it kind of came up on my feed. And I just, um, it's fucking crazy, man. You know what this, like, I. You know what this reminds me of? I know I say that a lot, but you know what this reminds me of is, uh, you know that saying, uh, build it and they will come? You know what I mean? Like, or what's that other saying? Um, supply and demand, right? People in Alaska are asking for these methamphetamines, man. Who's going to bring it to them? They are close to Russia. So I'm pretty sure the Russians are a little ex upset at the Sinaloa cartel. But um, who knows? Maybe the Russians are also getting their shit from the Sinaloa cartel. I don't know, but I have to bring this one to you guys because what? What? We got Mexico way down here in the south selling fucking methamphetamines to, to Alaska, baby. Damn. That's a hustle right there, ain't it? Why has El Salvador officially adopted Bitcoin as its currency? This is from NewScientist.com by Matthew Sparks. El Salvador has officially adopted Bitcoin as legal tender. Draft legislation may soon lead Panama down the same path, while China, the US, and the UK are investigating launching their own cryptocurrencies. Here's what you need to know. Why are countries adopting Bitcoin? President Nayib Bukele hopes Bitcoin will alleviate the El Salvador's prickliest economic problems. Citizens sending money home from abroad account for up to a fifth of the country's GDP, but they have to pay high transaction costs and 70% of the people have no bank accounts. Bitcoin enables quick, cheap payments across borders and doesn't require banks. Every Salvadorian has been gifted $30 in Bitcoin. The US dollar is the nation's other official currency and can now shop or pay their taxes with it. Companies must accept it by law but are permitted to instantly swap all Bitcoin to dollars once received. A Panamanian congressman has now proposed legislation that would see the country follow in Salvador's footsteps. Will it work? 
There will be hurdles as Bitcoin isn't simple to use. While many in El Salvador were posting their successful Bitcoin purchases on social media, others were marching in the streets in protest. And the markets are spooked. The Financial Times reports that the yield on long-term Salvadorian bonds rose 8.5% in June prior to the Bitcoin announcement to 11%, meaning confidence in the state's finances has dropped. Bitcoin itself is also volatile. The currency's value has veered as low as 21,700 euros and as high as 46,500 euros this year, which isn't a desirable property for legal tender. A company accepting Bitcoin payments may find the value of the currency has dropped when it is time to buy new stock. Will many other countries follow suit? In a word, no. It's extremely unlikely that any major economic would back a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, which cannot be controlled by a central bank and was created by a secretive cryptographer. But we are likely to see central banks around the world launching their own digital currencies combining benefits of cryptocurrencies and traditional money. Financial consulting firm PwC published a report earlier this year on these so-called central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. The report claimed that 60 governments are currently working on one, and 88% are basing them on blockchains, the technology behind Bitcoin, though not all CBDCs will be cryptocurrencies. Have any countries started using CBDCs yet? The Bahamas was one of the first nations to issue a CBDC, launching a cryptocurrency version of the Bahaman dollar last year in an effort to avoid moving physical cash across its 700 small islands. Cambodia, too, launched a CBDC version of its own currency called Bangkok in 2020. China has been trailing its eCNY currency for some time and, and plans a large-scale test during the Winter Olympics next year. The U.S. has two programmers running to investigate a digital dollar, and the Bank of England is talking to banks, retailers, and members of the public to decide what its own digital currency should look like. How does CBDC work? Unlike decentralized cryptocurrency, which is controlled by no single organization, a central bank would manage a CBDC but it could retain some of the perceived benefits of a cryptocurrency, such as simple transfers of large sums, the ability to do away with physical cash, and an audit trail to crack down on corruption and tax evasion. But while cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have hard-coded limits on the number of coins that will ever exist, a CBDC could be created from thin air by central banks with quantitative easing just as with traditional currencies something Bitcoin advocates say it's a major downside. And that's from NewScientist.com, my qualifiers. Uh, NewScientist.com, uh, I'm going to tab that one because uh, I, I like it. I like the style of this reporting right here. El Salvador, they're doing Bitcoin, baby. I'm going to call my dad and uh, see if he got his $30 of Bitcoin. I have Bitcoin on Coinbase. Actual Bitcoin, not stock on Robinhood. Actual real Bitcoin. So I can transfer my dad some Bitcoin. So I'm actually going to give him a call and uh, and see if I'm able to send him some Bitcoin. He can buy uh, Charamusca with it or something. You know what I'm saying? Italy makes COVID health pass mandatory for all workers. This one comes from Reuters.com by Crispin Balmer 
and Giuseppe Fonte. The Italian government approved on Thursday some of the strictest anti-COVID measures in the world, making it obligatory for all workers either to show proof of vaccination, a negative test, or recent recovery from infection. The new rules will come into force October 15th in the latest effort by Prime Minister Mario Draghi's broad coalition to persuade people to get inoculated and blunt contagion in one of the countries worst hit by the virus. Any worker who fails to present a valid health certificate will be suspended on no pay, but cannot be sacked, ministers told reporters after the cabinet approved the measures. People who ignore the decree and go to work regardless face a fine of between 600 to 1,500 euros. The sanction for employers will be 400 to 1,000 euros. Nothing like this has been done in Europe. We are putting ourselves in the forefront internationally, said Public Administration Ministry Renato Brunetta. He added that the government expected an enormous acceleration of jabs simply by the announcement of the decree, so that much of its desired effect could be achieved before it actually comes into effect in a month's time. While some European Union states have ordered their health workers to get vaccines, none have made the so-called Green Pass mandatory for all employees, making Italy a test case for the continent. The pass was originally conceived to ease travel around Europe, but Italy was among a group of countries that swiftly also made it a requirement for those wanting to access venues such as museums, gyms, and indoor dining in restaurants. Draghi, who was not present at Thursday's news conference, had previously faced resistance against his extension of the Green Pass from right-wing leader Matteo Salvini, one of the main stakeholders in his government. However, Salvini's League Party is split on the issue, and the cabinet finally approved the decree unanimously. There have been sporadic protests around the country in recent weeks against the growing pressure to get a jab, but the most political parties, as well as the main employers' federations, have backed the move, hoping it will prevent further lockdowns. Union leaders have been more lukewarm, saying tests should be given free of charge to workers who refuse to be vaccinated, enabling them to remain on the job. The government rejected his request but said the price of tests should be capped at 15 euros for work purposes, significantly below the current cost. Vaccines work. Italy has the second highest COVID-19 death toll in Europe after Britain, with more than 130,000 people dying of the disease since pandemic surfaced in early 2020. Around 74% of its 60 million strong population have had at least one COVID-19 shot and 68% are fully vaccinated. Figures broadly in line with most other EU countries. Underscoring the importance of jabs, Italy's health foundation Gimbe said in a report on Thursday that almost all COVID-19 sufferers currently in hospitals were unvaccinated. The report said vaccines had helped reduce deaths in Italy by 96.3%, hospitalizations by 93.4%, and intensive care admissions by 95.7%. Italy in March ordered health workers to get vaccinated or face suspension. As of today, 728 doctors have been suspended. The Doctors' Federation said on Thursday, 
it was not immediately clear how many nurses or carers had refused to comply. A similar measure in France came into force on Wednesday. Health Minister Oliver Veran said on Thursday that around 3,000 health workers had been suspended for their failure to get vaccinated. And there you go, my qualifiers. That's from Reuters. Reuters.com. Had to look that up because I was saying Reuters wrong. All this time I've been saying routers. Come on, people. You guys are supposed to you're supposed to tell me when I'm doing something wrong, remember? It's Reuters. I was saying routers. <laughs> so there you go. Italy is making COVID health pass mandatory, and they're calling it the Green Pass. Oh, man. I don't want to get canceled or anything. But, uh... <laughs> no, I agree with that. Look, I'm not against the vaccine. I understand how vaccination works. You know what I mean? I understand that polio, mumps, measles, all those, we, we, don't, we don't worry about those things anymore because of vaccinations. I understand that. I get it. It's just the freedoms. It's the freedoms that are taken away. It's the, it's the power that the politicians have now over the people. It's that power that when you give it to a politician, it's so difficult to take it away. So you tell them, hey, it's okay. You go, Please, sir, Mr. Politician, Mrs. Politician, tell us what to do. We don't know what to do. Help us. Help us. They have all this power. It's going to be hard to take away that power once they have it. And that's what I see. That's what I see, okay? I am for vaccinations, my qualifiers. That's my stance on that. I understand science. I side with science. I don't side with agendas. Hey, Twitter World, it's me, yours truly. Well, another great football game last night. Uh, the Giants blew it. Um, I heard somebody say Slayton, or might have been Shepard, I don't know, dropped that long pass in the fourth quarter. No. Uh, I saw Chris Carter talk about the spin of the ball and what goalposts, and Chris normally knows what he's talking about, but this was simple. It walks like a duck and looks like a duck. It's a duck. Danny Dines <laughs> totally missed a guy who was as open as any wide receiver has ever been open in the history of football. I was a little upset with Danny Dines. Uh, in the third quarter, there was a running play, what appeared to be a running play. When he came up to the line of scrimmage, the middle backer for the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team, uh, started yelling and pointing, pointing at the hole. He turned around and yelled at the safety to come up. The safety was hesitant. He got emphatic. Come up! And he put the safety right in the hole, which would have been offensively what we would call a five hole to the left. And the Giants still ran the ball to that hole. Even the announcer said he had no chance. Saquon had no chance of gaining yards. The defense knew what was coming. Why Danny Dines didn't audible out of that play, I don't know. But I would have been the guy yelling at him, not Galladay, on the sideline. If a quarterback did that to me, run me into the teeth of the defense. In any event, the Giants are 0-2. I now believe uh, Philly is going to win that division. Uh, I just don't think the 
Cowboys have enough defense. I don't know who I'm going to run this week. Probably Dak Prescott and not Matt Stafford, who ended up outscoring Dak in his 400 yards by half the point uh, last week on my fantasy team. But I think I'm going to run Dak this week. In any event, good luck to you this week. Uh, look, get your shots and wear your mask. <laughs> hey, we should have another great weekend of football. Take care. I'm just saying. Thanks, OJ. And that's OJ Simpson with sports. He's on Twitter at TheRealOJ32. All right, my qualifiers, there you have it. Just want to take a couple seconds, like I always do, to thank you, to truly thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening. It's just a listen, but I am very, very thankful for you listening in. And I hope you're enjoying all the new little additions that I'm doing to the podcast. Um, I've been taking my vitamins. I don't know. I guess they're working or something. I've been taking some mushroom vitamins and uh, my brain is just going, you know. But uh, (laughs) love you guys and uh, peace.